0: Are you accepting to different perspectives? And be careful before you answer. I mean, honestly ask yourself, are you really accepting to different perspectives? If you'd really like to see racism disappear in this country, well, it might just start with that. Teaching yourself, your family, and your kids to be accepting of different perspectives. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad. My wife, Terry and I are the proud parents of a rising third grader named Naomi, and I started Positively Dad to be a resource to you. We do two podcasts every single week. On Monday, we talk to an expert about something that's going to help us grow, and then on Thursdays, we talk to a dad about being a dad. We call those Our Dad Talk episodes, and that's what you're listening to today. Our mission is to help fathers become better parents, better partners, and better people. And we intend to do that today. We're focusing on race in America right now, and we started that just a couple of weeks ago when I talked with Andrew Grant Thomas from Embrace Race. And we talked about where we are today and how we can move forward we talked about how we can talk with our kids about what we've seen over the last two weeks and then the underlying racial injustice that's been part of America's history for 400 plus years. And we're continuing our conversations with fathers from all backgrounds. I've talked to two fathers recently that I'd recommend you go back and listen to. Eric Lindsay and Derek Slack both gave us great perspective and we're going to keep that up. And, and I, I'm doing this because we've got to grow and get better here. It's clear. It's clear that this is a challenge in our country, and we're going to fix it by starting in our families. Now, I'm white, my wife is white, our daughter is white, and we have a responsibility to learn and participate in supporting the black community and being an ally for change. It's also my responsibility as a white man to become educated about the challenges that so many others face that I don't, and that's why we're having these conversations, and I hope that you're learning from them. Today we're going to talk to a dad named Josh Gossard. He's from Hagerstown, Maryland, and Josh is a dad of four girls and a new grandfather. And he's got a different perspective to share with us today. You see, he's a white man married to a black woman and raising four biracial children. And he says our willingness to accept a different perspective is the key to change. That's what we're going to talk about with him. We're going to get his perspective, and he's going to share with us. We'll learn from it. I'm excited to do it, so let's jump in. Josh, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, it's my absolute pleasure, and um, I love talking to dads and kind of hearing about your world. We're going to have a really important conversation today. So tell me a little bit first about you and your family.
1: So I'm a dad, of course. (laughs) I have four daughters. I say teenage daughters. My oldest is 18. Next in line is 16. I have a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. Um, the 16-year-old blessed us with a grandson in October of last year. So he'll be about seven months. Well, he'll be seven months old here in about two weeks.
0: Well, congratulations, Grandpa. So is that what, they, is that what you get called now? Uh, G-pop.
1: I like G-pop.
0: G-pop. <laughs> all right, congratulations, kind of, G Pop. I'm a very
1: young grandfather, so I need something a little more hip than Grandpa.
0: Yeah. Well, okay, G Pop. There you go. Congratulations. Well, I thank you for joining me and talking about it um, because you can offer us a perspective. So let's set that up. Um, all of your daughters are black. You've got um, and and then you're white, mm-hmm. and uh, the the you have two stepdaughters. So their mother is black, and then, of course, the, the mother of your, of your 15-year-old is black. So you've seen this from a different perspective as yeah. a white man raising black girls. And, and now you have a, a grandson. I'm curious about what the last uh, week or so has been like for you and your family as you have watched, and I'm sure you've talked, and you've just seen everything going on.
1: It's been... Um... Confusing. Um, it's been emotional. Uh, there's like a, an emotional roller coaster. One minute you're sad. One minute you're angry. You're frustrated. Like it's it's very emotional. Um, what I can tell you is like um, even outside of just my my family dynamic. Like I grew up intertwined with the black community. One of the my main male role models as a kid growing up was my uncle, and he's a black guy. So I was around this diverse family culture from an early age. But um, I thought I had an understanding of everything that was kind of going on until the recent events. Now that we have my grandson, it just hit me differently. Having a young black man that I'm, I'm caring for and, and helping raise it, it just struck, it struck me very, very differently than the previous incidents.
0: Because you haven't had a, a black uh, young man in your house, a boy, it's been right. all women. So the perspective changed. Interesting. Tell me about that. Why do you think that
1: is? Um, I think it, it seems like the black men are the ones who are often the, the ones on the receiving end of this. Now, of course, women, there's, there's racial issues regardless of your sex, right? regardless of gender but it seems like the, the black men are the ones who are perceived more as uh, threatening to society. Mm-hmm. And I know, of course, he's seven months, he's as innocent as they come, right? And I know that right. there's gonna be a time where I have to explain to him how these things are. I have to explain to him, have these conversations with him, like, look, you know, if you get into a, in a situation with the police, do exactly what they tell you to do. Don't ask questions, just do what they tell you to do. Don't give them any reason to to use force, ask anything, be extra, just do what they tell you to do. And Mm -hmm. it's it's frustrating, well not really frustrating, it's concerning, very concerning that I'm gonna have to have these conversations with him at a very young age.
0: You're thinking about this for a seven month old grandson um, if you had a white seven month old grandson, that would never even cross your mind, not in a million I years. I
1: don't feel that it would, no. Yeah. I've never what been a, concerned. I've been, of course, I've been pulled over for speeding, seatbelts, what have you, traffic stops. And I've never once been afraid, me personally, for my safety. And, yeah, your
0: parents didn't have that conversation with you.
1: Right. And also with my wife, when, you know, with my wife being a black woman, I've told my wife, if we get stopped, Don't say a word. Let me handle the conversation. Mm. Please let me have the conversation.
0: What about with your girls? You've got four teenage ladies in your house. Have you ever had that conversation with them?
1: More so recently. Uh, You know, they're starting to grow up now. I got the 18-year-old. She's out driving, doing her own thing. And more so recently, like, Hands on the steering wheel, you know, if a police officer pulls you over, your hands are on the steering wheel until they approach the car, get there. If they ask for drivers and license, make sure, or your your license registration, make sure you tell them, my my license are here, I'm going to go there. My, my registration's here, I'm going to go there. Like, you're very clear in your communication with what you're doing and what you're reaching for.
0: Yeah. All right. So um, you and I connected over the weekend to be able to chat about this. I, I, I want to do a series of podcasts talking about the racial climate in America right now for families and how we do it. And so thank you for agreeing to do it. And when we were talking, you said, I, I guess your, your thought was, we've got to talk about what people believe to be true, different perceptions, and how we can have conversations around those things, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So where, where do we start? Where, where do you think is the spot to begin uh, in that dialogue?
1: Looking at yourself in the mirror and accepting who you are. If you have uh, prejudice feelings, and I'm going to use the word prejudice, and I'm not going to say that maybe you think that, you know, black people are bad or anything like that. But uh, think about the, the way that I describe this. If you're walking in a, in a, in a store or just down the street, even would the, would a black man approaching you make you feel differently than a white man approaching you? And that's a a minor difference. And if you would feel differently with a black man approaching you, I would challenge you to go internal and see what's causing that. What, what has led to that feeling of difference? And, um, James, I'm pretty sure you know this about me, but I have biracial cousins and, um, female cousins admitted to me that she feels differently. She's like, you know, it's scary because myself as a black woman, I feel differently if a black man is approaching me versus a white man approaching me. So it's like, okay, we have to go internal and figure out what's, what's causing that. Where does that start?
0: So We need awareness around our own biases, right? I mean, we've got yes. biases that live inside of us, and we have to have awareness around that. In a, a podcast that I did to kick off this series called Race in America, I talked with Andrew Grant Thomas from Embrace Race and he said we all he he gave the example of Amy Cooper and Christian Cooper. So Amy Cooper was the woman in Central Park who didn't have her dog on a leash and Christian Cooper was out bird watching and he they're not related and he asked her if she put the dog on the leash and things kind of got tense. And and um and and she said she was going to call the police and tell them that an African American man was threatening her and she emphasized that and then when she got in the phone she even raised her her tone and her voice and 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 all that kind of jazz and what he argued with me and he didn't argue what he suggested to me is that every single one of us have some type of Amy Cooper inside of us we've got some sort of bias that lives inside of us and we've got to figure out what that is you're basically saying the same thing we've got to figure out what our bias is first
1: yep awareness self-awareness is key it's going to be very hard if you don't know who you are you may be very defensive in a conversation when you start to have, so, have that conversation with someone else who feels differently than you. But if you're aware of your own biases, then you already know that's there and you can start to have the conversation of addressing it and accepting, okay, what has led to this? Because I think most of us can safely say that we shouldn't feel differently because of the way a person looks, right? But I think, I think, most of us probably do have some type of feelings there.
0: Well, I think we all do probably at some level, and it may not be race. It could be something else. It could be gender. It could be sexual orientation. It could be religion. It could be country of origin. It could be social and economic class. There's so many different things. Okay. You just said if you don't know who you are, then you will be defensive when you have to have that conversation. Have you had that conversation with people who don't know who they are?
1: You know, that's a great question, James. And I'm not sure it's either they don't know who they are, or they're unwilling to have a conversation about who they are. And it's hard to differentiate the two when you're on the other side of the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Sure. And, and it's, it's also people who would defend their stance when their stance is discriminatory, and they can't see that their stance is discriminatory, Right. Yep. Am I articulating that well enough? You are. Yeah.
0: If somebody doesn't believe that they have a bias and yet they have one and you go tell them all day long, they have a bias. I think what you're saying is they're not going to see that, that this is something we have to self-discover.
1: Yep. Absolutely. Yep. How do you, how do you think we do that? Putting yourself in new experiences because if you're, you know, back to the conversation with my friend over the weekend, like when you are only, when you've only experienced certain things, that creates your perspective, right? And some of us are more empathetic than others. Some of us can easily put ourselves in other people's shoes where other people can't, and that's fine. Um, but it's, it's just having more experiences, I think.
0: How important is empathy?
1: I think it's the big one. That's the big one. Because us as white men, James, like we're never going to experience this at the level that, our black friends are right now we never will we never will experience so the only the only bridge there is empathy like just pause for a second and think about it like are you are you as a white man let's say as a white man are you afraid for your life when you're stopped at a stop sign if, if or if you ran a red light or if you have a blinker out are you afraid for your life when the when the police officer approaches the car right i'm not right. i'm right.
0: not right yeah, I'm not either. Um, and yet so many are. So uh, what about people who say, well, that's just a mindset that there's really no reason to be worried and that you're creating your own story? Because I've heard that. I've heard people go, well, that's, I mean, is that really true or is that something is you're about, making up?
1: The media is showing us these things. Like, I, I hear that more than anything. The, well, the media highlights these because it grabs ha- headlines. And there might be some truth to that, by the way. However, it's very—it's a very real thing, and it's hard. It's hard to get people to see it that haven't experienced. If you haven't experienced it and you're not empathetic, you probably will never. I don't want to say never, but it's going to be a lot harder for those people to understand what's happening right now.
0: Hmm. You, uh, I imagine, have seen times where your daughters have been treated differently because of the color of their skin that they've had things happen to them uh people speak to them who knows what
1: Um, yeah one one story that stands out very very particularly when my daughter my oldest my 18 she was about six maybe seven and she was going to daycare and she had a very good friend of hers at the daycare and the next day one day she came home sad from school and we're like, well, what happened? She's like, well, so-and-so told me that she's not allowed to play with me because she's not allowed to have brown friends. Hmm. And this is 11 years ago. And so that's, that makes it 2009. And I'm just like, wow, like, it's so crazy that here we are in 2009, people are still teaching their kids to be this way, right? And it's like, it's really unfortunate for that young lady because now she's going to grow up with that kind of in the back of her head. And she's going to have to operate in a world where you are going to deal with other, other races. That's just it. It's making life that much harder because you, you got this underlying programming. And then now you have to go out into the workforce or go out into, to your, your school and, and interact with people of different races. And it's, it's just challenging. It's, it's unfortunate, very, very unfortunate.
0: What did that conversation look like when she got home and she shared that story? How did, how did you as parents handle that? How did you talk about it? I, I can't even imagine.
1: Well, so I don't remember exactly. It's been 11 years now, but I mm-hmm. do remember talking with her about how some people are ignorant and explaining what ignorant actually means um, and just how people are used to a different way of life. And that's not where we're at anymore.
0: What have your girls said to you over the last week?
1: We've had a lot of conversations around what's right and what's wrong. Um, And also going back to empathy. empathy. Um, You know, of course, with all the looting and the rioting and, and everything that's happening there, like I do not support that. And yet, I do understand the outrage. I do understand their frustration. Well, help
0: our listeners, so real quick, and pardon my interruption, help our listeners understand that, because, um, I mean, first of all, to talk about the protests that we have seen in America, many of them are peaceful. Yes. There are are many that are people with signs, correct, with with signs of many races, um, you know, walking the streets and just asking for, uh, you know, change. So most of them have been very peaceful, and then some of them turn violent. So when you talk about, I think people get a peaceful protest, and yet there's this like thought of, well, how could it turn violent? And you're saying you actually understand that it could.
1: Yeah, well, it, it also goes to how long does this have to go on? How, I mean, they've been peacefully protesting since forever. Like, how long does this, how long does peaceful protesting have to run before we start to see change right so then that's like i'm not out looting i'm not out riding so i can't say that this for sure is why they're doing these things but at what point is the change going to happen at what point do you say all right well we've tried this this hasn't worked and and the outrage overtakes i had this is this is something i had a friend of mine say dude i couldn't understand i don't understand how you can raise black kids right now he said if someone if someone did to my daughter what they did to george floyd i would do more than burn the city down and it's just like he gets it and again i'm not saying it's right i'm just saying i understand the frustration i understand the outrage
0: well that's the whole point of what you say we've got to understand we we have to hit the here's what i'm hearing you say i don't want to put words in your mouth what i'm hearing you say is hit the pause button. And look at the different perspective, like what would need to cause somebody to believe that the solution is to burn down the grocery store, or to set a police car on fire or to to loot from a store. I mean, that, like, let's go, let's hit the pause button instead of it doesn't mean you have to say agree with it or say it's right. I, I, I wouldn't, that's personally not how I would handle something Correct. like that. I don't believe, I mean, I, I only have my white man perspective to go with, and yet I don't think that's what I would do. Um, and if I can hit the pause button for a minute and go, what would have to happen that the best answer is that, then maybe that's where empathy shows up.
1: Is that what you're saying? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And then also James, it's important to note like, you absolutely have people who are opportunistic and who yeah. are taking advantage of it. Absolutely. And I want to right. go on record for saying that, too, because, you know, I, I don't want to be ripped apart for say, not saying that. There are people yeah. who are opportunistic. And there's also people who are just tired of hurting, tired of not being heard, tired of not being seen, tired of, of being oppressed by the, the system that we have. And, you know, this was another thing that came up over the, over the weekend. I don't think it's a written system, a written policy that has to change. It's, it's us as society, like you say, just hit the pause button and just wait, like, wait for a second. other, this is a human being. They should be treated the same way that we would expect to be treated the same way we would expect our children to be treated. And some of Um, these guys, like in these, in these high profile cases, I, I I haven't seen one once where. You know, you hear the you hear the the argument sometimes. Oh, well, they were breaking the law. They shouldn't have been breaking the law. Okay, well, yeah, I I agree with you. They shouldn't have been breaking the law. However, the punishment should warrant the crime. Like, and none of these cases has anyone done anything that warranted them being murdered the way that they have been.
0: There is a process. Now we could debate whether or not the system works for that. And that's a different podcast, right? So we don't have time for that today, right, right, whether right. or not that system is actually just and fair. And that's a totally different conversation. And yet the answer is not execution on the street. Correct. Okay, our system does not allow for execution on the street. And now, and like I said, we could debate the system um, and we're not going to today. Uh, so I do recognize that there are issues there. And though no one is executed on the street because they may have unknowingly paid with a counterfeit bill. Then what's the message that you, what's the plea that you would make to fathers out there, fathers of white kids, fathers of of people of color, what would be your message to them? What's your plea?
1: Uh, My message would be first start with yourself, start there, figure out what biases you have, figure that out, become aware of that, be open to conversation. Um, be open to having your position challenged. Uh, that's one of the things that I think really helps me in a lot of ways in my life is I'm willing, I'm willing to change my perspective. Convince me. Convince me otherwise. Um, help me see it differently. If, if you can help me see it differently and I, I accept that, then I'm willing to change. And I think that that's a, a big component of this too. Like, Be willing to change if, if someone's able to help you get there. Um, don't be afraid of the conversation. I see a lot of people saying like on social media outlets, you know, I just don't have words. I'm afraid my words will be twisted around. And that's a very real concern. But speak up. If someone twists your words around, that's just an opportunity for a conversation.
0: Yep. Yeah. If you don't know what to say, say something and then be open to learning about how to process that thought better. Yep, I've said many times on this podcast about after Charlottesville, and I called a friend of mine, and 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 I called her, and I said, "Listen, I'm calling you because I have some questions, and uh, you're a friend, and you're black, and I want to ask questions." And she appreciated that, and I was nervous to make that call, yeah. I, and, and I did know what to say, and she walked me through it. So we can say stupid things as long as we're willing to learn from them.
1: Yep, and if yep. you're if you're Heart is in the right place. That will right. shine through. Whatever yeah. you say that that might sound stupid, but I right. love that. Talk to talk to your black friends, Say, look, help me, help me with what I'm thinking here. I wanna I wanna speak up. I wanna speak out. This is what help me put this into words.
0: Well, that was my question for you because it sounds like that in your your entire life has been intertwined with the black community because of how you grew up. You said you had a, an uncle, you were clo- very close to who's black. You've obviously, you're married to a black woman, you have black children. So you've been intertwined with this your whole life. Um, and so I'm curious about, I, I, I guess, how that's impacted your perspective and what your advice would be to people that have not been close to the black community before, that, that they've grown up in the white neighborhood, they have white families, they went to a predominantly white school, you know, those types of things.
1: Seek out more black friends. It's, I know that sounds silly, but have conversations with people out that don't necessarily look like you. Proactively have those conversations. If you're in the grocery store, have the conversation, ask, ask the black person in the aisle, Hey, how are you doing? Right. If you're open to that conversation, that's, they will appreciate it, especially right now. They will appreciate that. They, the black community needs to know they have, people that in the white community who are supporting them, who are, are mm-hmm. you know, we're here behind them. We're standing up for them. We're, we're open to, to going through this with them.
0: Well, if you're going to be an ally, you have to do more than just say I'm your ally. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, then finally, the, the last thing would just be, what, do,
1: what should we be teaching our kids right now? Acceptance. Um, things aren't always as they appear to be. Right. Um, you know, you might see someone and think, Oh, they're that way. Mm-hmm. Ask certain questions, continue to ask questions within yourself. Is that 100% true? You know, the, what I'm seeing might not be the full story, right? Like go deeper on that. Be, be open to new conversations. Um, and, and that's not just a white and black thing. That's uh, like you said, social uh, social classes society it's income levels that type of stuff like don't judge someone else because they don't have as nice shoes of you don't judge someone else obviously because their skin is a different color like people live different lives
0: well your life might just be better overall if you choose to adopt that posture of things aren't always as they appear and you become curious so yep, do, you, do you have a what, what are your final
1: thoughts you want to share with our listeners um be empathetic put yourself in other people's shoes proactively seek out conversations with people who do not look like you um one of the things that i've thought about james as my grandson starts to grow up is purposely purposely get him around police officers so that way he doesn't have a fear of police officers he doesn't have this idea in his head that all police officers are bad Right, like I want him to be comfortable around police, um, and and I think that that could go a long way too. So if you're raising black children, maybe do that because we all can agree not every police officer is bad. They're, the police community is outraged with this one. This is this one's very different than than the other ones, and that fact, no one is condoning what what these guys did with George Floyd. So get get your kids around police officers. I think that could be helpful too.
0: It, it can be. I, I imagine it could be. I, I, I can't say that it can be. I imagine that it could be um, sure, and right. we shall see. This one does feel different um, to me anyway, as I was watching these protests the it seemed to be different. And and now you see corporate America speaking and that's not something we'd seen before to see, cor- uh, you know, corporations say Black Lives Matter Yes, is not something we have seen during this movement for a yep. corporation to be willing to say that. So this one does feel different. Well, Josh, thank you so much for sharing your story and your thoughts. Um, congratulations, G-Paw. And thank, um, and thank you for, for being on today. Truly appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me, James.
0: What an open, honest, and helpful conversation. I got a lot out of it. I trust you did as well. And I think we've got to sit and hit the pause button sometimes and ask ourselves, where are our own biases? Where do they show up? He said that it's really easy to tell. He said you can tell when you get defensive when you have a conversation. If somebody shares a different perspective, a different idea, a different thought... And, 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 and you immediately get defensive, well, then that's an example of a time that there's a bias. So that's what I'm going to watch for. I'm going to look for the times that I get defensive right away, which I do. And people share things with me, and I go, that's not how it is. I'm not open to their perspective it doesn't mean that i have to buy in or agree or or change my position it just allows me to recognize that there are different perspectives other than mine and if i hit the pause button for a minute i might understand why somebody made that decision and then once i understand it i can accept that i don't have to agree with it and i might change my mind i certainly have changed my mind on some things over the last few years when it comes to this particular conversation so give it a shot see what happens I trust we've added value to you. If we did, would you share this podcast with somebody who you think would get value out of it too? And then remember to rate, subscribe, and review on whatever platform you're listening so you never miss an episode. And then we're all over social media. We'd love to connect with you there as well. Just search at Positively Dad on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You'll find us there. And then if you know somebody who would be a great guest on the show or maybe you'd like to be on the show, reach out, send me an email, james at positivelydad.com, and we'll make it happen. Thanks again for listening to Positively Dad. We'll talk to you in a few days. Bye-bye.